more and more of what I see as being such is the creative opportunity in a store because there is suddenly new ways of telling stories, of really helping us kind of grow out that, particularly as we look at um, animation and some of the 3D effects we've got to, we're starting to see. Hi, I'm Andy Murray. Welcome to It's a Customer's World podcast. Now more than ever, retailers and brands are accelerating their quest to be more customer-centric. But to be truly customer-centric, it requires both a shift in mindset and ways of working, not just in marketing, but in all parts of the organization. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with practitioners, thought leaders, and scholars to hear their thoughts on what it takes to be a leader in today's customer-centric world. Physical retail today is becoming increasingly digitized with apps and screens that aim to make shopping either more efficient or more inspirational. To help understand the changes happening in this space, I sat down with Simon Hathaway, who's the Group Managing Director of EMEA for Outform. In case you've never heard of Outform, they're a global innovation agency that focus on the physical space. They work with global brands and retailers to bring to life innovation that enhances the customer experience. Now, I've known Simon for over 20 years from the early days of shopper marketing, and I've always enjoyed hearing his perspective on the industry and catch up on what he is seeing develop. I sat down with Simon just after his trip to Euroshop 2023, where he and Outform had on display several innovative in-store digital solutions. Simon also fielded a few questions from students in Professor Molly Rayford's marketing class. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hello, Simon. You and I have been working in this in-store space for a couple of decades now, uh, at least. And so yeah. uh, you've got a lot of interesting and great perspectives. I'd love to start perhaps by having you describe uh, how you see the current environment attitude toward the physical retail space. Uh, I think it, it's interesting right now because there's a lot of brands and retailers, particularly kind of post-pandemic, suddenly realizing the impact that they have in store and the importance of store. So we're almost seeing a bit of, of a revival um, and quite a few of the big retailers spending some proper big money on, you know, some fairly, very special stores. Um, obviously, there is a, a mixed bag there in terms of where they spend that money. And you've got this piece really around because obviously some of the big cities, which are where, where it's really starting to happen. We've got some really exciting yeah, new stores starting to appear. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've seen there's really kind of two types of executions in store that uh, we tend to see over time. One is the experiments that perhaps happen in a flagship store, prototype store, and those projects that actually scale, right, that are designed to scale. And we go through these cycles where it's almost like an always on on the experimental route, and you'll see some cool stuff. Although I think uh, through the pandemic, of course, there wasn't much of that, right? But uh, where are you seeing things that are starting to pick up steam to scale and also, have you seen a resurgence that's a, a pretty sizable uptick in interest for more experimental? Um, we're seeing a lot of people looking at um, 
experimental ideas. Nearly everybody's got somebody with a role around or a team that's in the future store, you know, store of the future, whatever you want to call it. There's always somebody doing that, uh, which is which is great for a business like us. Uh, but obviously, the real value is when you take those opportunities and scale them. So, I mean, we have things, for example, in the UK, like Marks and Spencer's have the 10X store program where they've got 10 stores. They're trying to put 10 times the amount of new technology into those stores to really transform it and they're also very happy to fail in that process because that means they're actually pushing it uh, but of course the real opportunity is not just those one-offs it is the scale and i think you've started to see certain technologies are now really scaling um, and particularly as you look at things around sort of the need for single customer view and unified commerce solutions there's a lot of money going into that and retail media um, the other piece of course is the evolution of the screen in store you know we've got it two ends one is the technology around how you can drive and change experience if you look at some of the stuff that's going on with led for example it's kind of amazing what you can do and at the other end you've got everybody in store on their own device i mean our own research shows that across every sort of category and it varies by obviously by category by vertical but 70 percent of people are online in store so you've got this massive piece where you know in the past we talked about in-store versus online and now we've got a situation where people are in store online. So how people approach that, what they do, that's become a really uh, a sort of a big scalable question, I think, for many, many retailers and brands. When you look at the in-store and the online at the same time, as you pointed out, uh, I've got a bit of a hypothesis, and it's probably wrong, but I'd love to get your thoughts on it. And that is uh, people don't generally want to be on their phone in the in-store environment uh, shopping. And if they do that, they're probably trying to overcome some sort of friction that they've encountered. They don't know where to find something or it was out of stock, so they got to find a different price or they need more information, so they're looking up you know, different elements of that, which isn't really a reason to pull your phone out from a positive standpoint of an experience. But if you were really intentional to your in-store screen strategy, you might eliminate that need and, and have a more enhanced shopping experience versus saying we want shoppers to pull out their phones uh, and design experiences around yes. that. So what's your point of view on that? You know, I, I think your point is right. People, I mean, we asked the big question to all of our clients, why are people coming in store when there's so much information online? Yeah. And it's my biggest frustration is if you know, somebody will put a QR code up, which has been, you know, everybody now expects content behind a QR code post-pandemic. And then what happens? They take you say, oh, we'll just take them to the website. It's like, well, they could have done that at home. So, so what, what, is, what is the point? So I think what you're getting at is that when people, you know, then you need to have contextually relevant communication in store. And all too often we see stuff which is not necessarily being thought through in the right way. And that does frustrate people. I mean, it's interesting, right? So we've got, our, our stuff shows that 70% people in store are checking, are, are using mobile device. Obviously, the biggest thing is checking price. Interestingly, it goes up to 81% for luxury, which I suspect is because it's so expensive, they're desperate to check for price and make sure they're getting the right deal. But there are also some categories where I think, and you have to look at it on a category by category basis, where you're going to get more complex uh, requirements. And therefore, you have to do the right level of insight work to understand what they need in the store. And so you take a, a, a new category, right, like smart home. Smart home is fairly, we fall most 
you know, retailers don't know where to put it. Is it going to be good, better, smart in doorbells or is it a smart in category? You know, it's, it's kind of a challenge. So what do people need to know in store? Sometimes in that context, yeah, it's definitely worth having some sort of ability for somebody to bring their mobile out because there's going to be so much complex communication they might need to, to get to. And, and you never quite know the full context. But the important bit for me, for us, is that we see people wanting to use their device. If you look at things like gaming and areas like that, where you can have an augmented experience, they definitely want to get into that. You've just got to make sure it's relevant to that moment in time. You're not just using you know, uh, the same old content that you might have had in other parts of your media mix, which is, uh, yeah, that's what we know it's a bit. They're going to be, it's not going to deliver on the expectation. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting when you look at uh, in-store environments in Europe, uh, UK in some cases, uh, and then look at it compared to what we see in the US, it feels like Europe is probably four or five years ahead in thinking about this topic and how to use those technologies. At least I've tried to track startups and uh, the technology providers, and, you know, a lot of those folks are are doing it in Europe first, Um, and yet the US seems to have taken a position more of, you know what, we think screens are going to be the screen in your hand. And I was a proponent of that for so t- so much time. And then, you know, cool. don't put that capital in stores on screens. It's just a wasted experience and wasted use of capital. But but I, but I, I, I think that's, I think that could be wrong uh, from what I'm no, saying. I, I think what you, I think the thing is we, we have to understand how we're using the screens. And you are 100% right when it comes to grocery. If you look at what happened in the pandemic, uh, you look at what's happening to loyalty cards right now in in Europe. So I look into my local Tesco's, I go in store, um, I have to scan in, I have club card specific prices that are accessible through my app or my vouchers on my app. So it's automatically getting me to have my mobile phone open when I'm in store, right? Because the, the whole of that loyalty program is built around that. So any advertising, any brand specific stuff, just it's very easy for them to take a location-based strategy to that. And, you know, at the same time as well, my entire family shopping list is on my mobile device. And, you know, God forbid I'm in aisle three and I haven't, and my wife has updated it while she's at home when I'm doing the shopping, right? So I have to have my phone on. The big frustration for me is there's nothing on the cart to hold my mobile phone, right? So I'm, I'm kind of... So for me, the grocery people are absolutely driving that agenda. And I think it's the right way to go. It can be connected directly to their POS systems. And as you look at people like Amazon Fresh coming in, all of those things are going to need that we use our mobile device in store. But you then got other areas where screens are interesting. So obviously, just visually in terms of the environment, if you just look at LED technology, right? You look at what, um, you know, I just walked down Oxford Street here. I can look at the massive fabulous new uh, h&m store they've got a, a, a three floor uh led wall which is a, a blank canvas that can totally transform their experience it means that their store is an, a living canvas i mean we always used to go and we used to talk about a lot right we go to stores to find what's new and now there are new experiences in the store because the graphics are changing there's a new campaign there's a new collab it's a full experience i mean with them you know with with h&m we're putting in mobile screens that the merchandisers can put around the store in new locations they can connect into their content in some stores like marks and spencers we're kind of pumping instagram feeds in so you've got all of that stuff that starts to create a very different experience in the store 
You've then got another layer, which for me is also super exciting, which is the retail utility that we now expect in physical stores. So beyond just sales and, you know, back in the day, we used to talk about time, money and frustration being the budgets. I still use that because in retail utility, it's super important. I mean, how many times have you bought something online, taken it to a store and they said, sorry, you've got to return it through the, 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 the mail chat. And we're like, what? That's just so frustrating, right? So you have this level of, re- of new retail utility that people need to find. So increasing on things like screens, we are finding ways to make them exactly the same as what's online. So you can see what sizes are available, what other colors available. And if it's not available in the store, you can scan it, buy it through the website there and then, and the store gets the accreditation for the sale. So that level of retail utility, which is arguably invisible to the customer, but if you think about it, massive reduces a lot of store operations. Nobody's going to check sizes because it's there on a screen. All of those things are starting to come through. And as customers are kind of, their expectations of retail are kind of reset with every click and every visit. What you get when you come to expect online, you're also expecting to see in store. And that's where I think we haven't been caught up often yeah, in stores also, without retail utility. Yeah, well said. I also think there's an expectation of physical retail that goes beyond the online expectation, and that is in the space of discovery. I mean, it is really difficult to discover new things and really explore that through the online experience. And if you get into the retail media space and start talking about, you know, all of the promoted ads and, you know, it's driven by a search, which is intention-based, you know, behaviors. But when you go in a store, I expect something a bit different. I expect to be able to discover new things more easily and if a store thinks about discovery as a real important uh, shopper need to deliver upon, uh, I think they do start to look at how they can use screens and bring excitement, uh, better communicate what's new on a new item in a new category. I mean, those things are brilliant opportunities for screens. Exactly. And you, you can you look at it. I mean, uh, We've done some, you know, and, it, and we've done some stuff at Intel with, uh, in fact, you might you might be able to see it. it's in Costco across the US, not what you would expect to see in Costco, but we've wrapped uh, a, a computer table in LEDs. And then we've used the latest 3D animation techniques to make those just completely punch out. You think about you know, when you see on the social channels, kind of lions jumping out of walls in, uh, in China, we're doing that in store, right? So that is transformational stuff and it's being posted by store manager on LinkedIn. I've never seen that before in my life, right? It's, it's amazing. And that sort of stuff really gets people excited in store again. And it's the concert canvas. We can update it all the time. So we're running promotional campaigns through there. There's no more Corrigan going through. We've got living spaces that can be transformed. And that, and that for me is, is, really where the, the excitement comes. I've just come back from Paris and you, know, you walk through Galerie Lafayette so you can start to see the amount of different ways that are just, just really stimulating retail environments again. Quite different to what we've got kind of, you know, seen in the past, which have become quite boring. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, my experience has been, Simon, that one of the challenges in getting to scale is making the business case internally to finance, right? So, yeah, and, yeah. and you almost have to uh, tie anything you want to do with these kind of capital investments to a cost savings, you know, hours reduction, uh, things that are very tangible. 
but yet at the same time, the customer experience improvements are really hard to get clear metrics behind uh, to show how it pays out. So how are you seeing your clients think about that? Are they just switching the KPIs to something else or ditching KPIs altogether? How are they thinking through the justification for the investment? I mean, there's the, obviously as a case by case example, if you take these kind of, you know, they're not, they're very small screens, but they're almost tablets, which NARF and ID enabled to do stock control, uh, which is that retail utility piece. That's really down to reducing the amount of store time that's used up by checking stock. So there is a very clear metric that they're already checking there, right? Does that mean I can reduce the number of people I have on the shop floor at any one time? Uh, you know, there's some interesting, you may have seen uh, go in store technology, which is used online where you can actually visit a, you know, a store associate in, in a store. Uh, we're also using that in other stores to visit, say that you can, you can reduce the number of store associates across a whole network. So you can say, I'm going to go to one store, but I can't justify having somebody there every day of the week. So on a Monday, that store we service by a real person at another store through go in store technology. And that kind of thing, again, and you can see a very quick win on that. I think where it gets more challenging is where you get into kind of the large screen situations because they're expensive and a lot of that falls into CapEx when you're doing store refits. And that obviously comes into a whole different ball game. But what we've been trying to do, and it, it, this is where it gets challenged because it falls into different budgets, is when you've got a remote CMS system, and at the end of the day, I think in the future, everything that can be in store that isn't did is currently paper in store will be digital in the future. Now that's the probably the ambition, but that means that everything is remote updates. So you haven't got any corrobot swap outs. You haven't got any wastage. All those processes that you had originally to do those things were have gone. Now, obviously, the issue there is I'm putting a capex piece in and I'm replacing what was a marketing budget cost. So there's a whole another piece of navigation around that. In the same way that we have to say, well. Who's going to run that content solution when you've had loads of operatives in the retail in the trade marketing channels and suddenly you need somebody to manage the CMS system in a central location? So there's a lot of organizational stuff. It is quite difficult to navigate, but we're learning very quickly. Uh, and I think the big piece for me behind that, particularly as, as we look at it, is, is also uh, businesses drive towards more sustainable solutions. And whilst we haven't got there completely yet, as uh, particularly I'm starting to see one or two procurement departments put the sustainable objectives uh, almost alongside cost savings, uh, we start to see the sort of, the, the, you know, it always click that maybe there are some digital solutions which are going to take out kind of legacy ways of working that can deliver on both uh, return on investment, but also like return on environment, maybe if that's the right phrase. But um, that's where we're, that's what we're kind of starting to see as well. Yeah, I'm starting to see that as well too. And you know, labor costs and labor rates being what they are and where they're probably going to go, it's starting to make more sense to look at electronic shelf labels and mass uh, things that yeah. you're not, you know, printing paper and the labor cost to change out pricing and and do that. And, and the cost of that technology's dropped. So I know Walmart's got a several, you know, big prototypes that are you know rolling out uh, store wide electronic shelf labels, yeah. which I think is great for the future as you start to connect those digital touch points yeah. together, uh, it, it's going to be more exponentially powerful than having them as standalone, almost internet of things. 
Well, I mean, and that that is when it gets too exciting. I mean, most of the big smart, the smartest retailers, I'm sure Walmart are the same, have got digital twins of their stores. And if you can run that data through your pricing and, you know, your electronic shelf labeling and, and also through, you know, all of that can go to the digital twin and you can start to sort of simulate what and, you know, predict how things are going to behave, how the pricing is going to work. Again, that's where it gets super exciting when you can connect all that data. Are you seeing more retailers uh, come to you and outform your company to think through screens in the context of connecting to their retail media networks? So we're looking at a lot of stuff where it is um, connected to unified commerce solutions, but we very rarely see them. I know there's obviously a big conversation around retail media networks, how can I get advertising here? But most of the people we talk to are are in the brands that are putting their own screen solutions in, um, or their retailers transforming their physical environment. I think because we're perhaps uh, closer to the sort of innovation, innovation sort of side of things, we see more brands and retailers coming to us looking at new stores, not necessarily connecting with retail media networks from a sales perspective. I think there are increasingly, there are a number of brands that are talking to us about commercialization opportunities and saying, okay, how could we use some of these technologies to drive greater revenues in store? So for example, you know, merchandising, merchandisable light walls could become hero touch points for people to launch products from. And they want to kind of buy into those sorts of areas. Uh, but yeah, we're not seeing them particularly driving into retail media networks. Uh, I think a lot of that has been driven particularly by grocery, to be honest. I don't see it too often in the other retailers. Um, and I would imagine I see that evolving more and more on the mobile device. Um, what technology do you think uh, is going to drive the speed of rollout of think in thinking on on screens and physical retail? Do you think it's augmented reality? You know what 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 gets you the most uh, excited about where this future is headed? Oh, I mean, there's there is so much stuff that uh, I think is this really exciting. I mean, the technology is rapidly approaching. Uh, you know, oh, I don't know, there's more, it could be, the more and more that can be done. And I think when you look, went to sort of Euro shop a few weeks ago, just amazing to see the amount of different things that can now be done with screens. I mean, there's also obviously a lot of stuff around interaction uh, and how you build relationships uh, with a screen, with a customer, the opportunity and user experience. Uh, that for me is, is, is super exciting. But I think what I'm starting to see is this is this massive role of content in store at a level that we never really thought about before. Everything was flat. We've now got this point of motion. And, you know, we always would say that people would never get like current shape and you're in this area of, of, of how we can bring motion to almost every single part of the store. And that is gets really exciting. So more and more of what I see as being excited is the creative opportunity in a store because there is suddenly new ways of telling stories, of really helping us kind of grow out that, particularly as we look at um, animation and some of the 3D effects we've got to, we're starting to see. And if I look at my favorite thing, of course, it's something we've just done at the launch at Euroshop, it's, it's like the digital mannequin. So we have created a life-size mannequin, it's a holographic image, uh, you fill it, ideally you can fill it at the same time when you do your content for e-commerce. But it enables a customer in store to physically, you know, to connect with their own mobile device with with the mannequin. They can change the mannequin so they can have a mannequin that looks more like them. 
and then they can go through all the clothing and choose the, ma- choose the clothing that they want to put on the mannequin. So completely engaging in the store, really interesting concept. You know, we, it's got opportunity to, I mean, most of the things, endless shelves, but obviously there's a content onto the back of that, but things for like online exclusives that can now be done in store, really exciting. I would love to uh, have our audience see some of those demos. I saw, I follow your LinkedIn and saw what you did at Euroshop and that blew me away, this uh, mannequin and, the, and what you were doing there. You're, you're kind of on your feet doing a demo, but uh, do you have a link that you might be able to share with us that we can put in the show notes of that of would course. Uh, yeah. allow our well, listeners absolutely. to go and look at that? Because it's really incredible. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think it's, uh, when you think the mannequin itself, so you know, I think it's been around for 150 years and uh, it's the first time we somebody's properly digitized it and you can take control of it. It's, it's quite a significant innovation. You talked a lot about a content and, and how the creative is, is going to rapidly uh, transform that experience. Talk to me a little bit about the creative ecosystem that is developing or must develop you know, in order to service that, because that's a whole level of demand that's been traditionally yeah, not there. Well, and, and I think this is, this is one of the really interesting things, right? We've suddenly got a visual storytelling in store with motion that is perhaps not being something that most of the client marketing departments and also their agencies have really been set up to do. The skills are varying in the, in the agency networks, but it's that perhaps not necessarily be with that focus. And often the creatives in that haven't really got necessarily the contextual relevance of why what might need to be set in store. So there is that whole piece about visual storytelling, but I think a lot of that is around moment around animation. So we are building up a lot of capability in animation. I've got like 25 people now in Tel Aviv just doing animation for retail. So you've got that one end where people need to really start thinking, have they got the right people in place to do that sort of work? Because most of the big agency networks are not really structured right now. I mean, you just want to look at retail media networks and you know, that the media people are buying that, right? So the original shopper agencies kind of been left out of the loop on that one. So, so there's a lot of stuff in that area where I think there's huge opportunity. Uh, the other big area, of course, is user experience um, and you know how you partner retail strategists with user user experience designers because the the total experience, whether through interactivity on a screen, through your mobile device, has to be thought through, uh, but it also has to be relevant to the shopping uh, mission. So, again, a lot of the uh, whilst we've got you know a lot of good talent in, in e-commerce, e-commerce in store is is quite a tough one and. You know, we've started to build out uh, uh, opportunities where we need, you know, highly complex apps. We talked about smart home, where you might connect to a mobile app, so somebody can kind of start to browse a bit more of a relevant information on their on their mobile device, but also connect that to the retailer website, so that um, if there is a sale, it still goes through the retailer's POS. Because obviously, what they're really worried about in the store is it's going elsewhere. So you need a whole lot of technology people. Who can manage not only design the right space and the right in, 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 uh, that something's going to have shopping. You then need a whole gang of people who are going to look at the uh, the mobile device. You're going to need a whole gang of people who understand the back end technology to connect with you with the POS system. And that starts to get quite a complex ecosystem of people and talent that you need in play. We've ended up with uh, you know I have a digital department, I have a technology part department, and you know the technology department really about people who put plugs on things because it's all. You know, it's all lights and sensors, all this sort of stuff. And then you've got the digital department who are really about driving interaction and understanding the uh, the way that we that people can 
connect in store. So it's a different skill set that's starting to emerge. It's a very exciting skill set, uh, but it's a different skill set that's starting to emerge. I also think there's going to be a need for um, thinking about it as a retailer, uh, especially a multi-branded retailer that ha in, in your physical environment. A lot of these uh, screen opportunities and experiments have been you know, one brand perhaps or a category or department will take that on and because it really is fit for purpose for that particular brand. If you go about your wine and alcohol aisles or spirits, there's, you know, th those tend to lean in more. But what happens is, and if you're not careful, this could really um, be a problem, is there's no customer experience strategy for the store in terms of how do these individual creative expressions and experiments come together so that the customer realizes they are uh, in an H&M store or in a, uh, a, a store's point of view, that that store's point of view is coming through across the creative and the customer experience trumps the user experience of a specific application. So I, I haven't yet seen that level of thinking develop yet, or I haven't hear, heard people talk about that. Yes. I mean, I, you, you mentioned H&M there. I think they've got a a really good strategy right now. I mean, I think they've moved to kind of, I don't know how you call it, but it's almost like a, a blank canvas where the, the clones are the hero, but they're also using a combination of screens to bring that to life through windows, and into the store itself. And then these mobile, we actually call them quad pods that you can then move around by collection to try and connect the whole story. And that gives them the flexibility to do that. So I think they're, they're doing quite a nice job of that, but it is obviously pretty much all their own branded gear. You're also touching on a point, and I think if I, you know, just having been to Sephora or Champs-Élysées in the last few days of a kind of house of brands versus a branded house. And I think if you go into uh the Champs Elysees, I mean, I think they're close to the store, but you know, they've still got this you know, runway, and then you're going in, and that is lined with you know high level NEDs, which create a really cool vibe as you're walking in, and you've got all the promotion sections, and then you're into the kind of proper shop floor, and they're enabling each of the brands to live within a very clear structured format. So it still feels like you're very much in Sephora but each of the brands then behaves as it wants to behave within that framework. And they, I think they've found a, a quite elegant way of doing that. Uh, but there is this point, because you're right, if you are a house of brands, you could have a very challenging set of messages flying around as brands uh, start to get increasingly competitive with each other at the shelf. And I think you know, one of the things we used to talk about in e-commerce and I think is perhaps maybe something we could talk about here as well is that, you know, we, uh, we, it, we used to talk about big category captains, right? That was always the language. And then as you started to see, you know, people particularly bringing content online, we used to talk about coming it online, coming a content captain. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that we'll, we'll start to see that content captaincy starting to be a theme that we need to see, particularly in grocery, where we've got a lot of people competing. That will probably be something we need to, to, to think about in the future. Yeah, I've never thought about that. That's a really interesting thought. Um, and I could absolutely see that uh, as you started to paint that picture of what that role would do and why that's important. Um, yeah. Simon, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, what kind of problems does um, Outform solve for their customers or clients? And so that give you a chance to give a little shout out to what your company does. Um, okay. I mean, we're, a, we're, we're in the agency that makes, so we generally get the, uh, 
really sort of difficult projects that you know, often the agent has come with a company, they show something to a client and they go, hey, I've got this amazing idea. And then the client goes, well, how are you going to make it? And they have no idea. That's generally where we come in because we can blend insight, technology and creativity uh, to deliver some impressive solutions in store. So there's a lot of great people out there can do insight and creativity, but they don't necessarily understand the uh, technology. And because we've done that, we uh, uh, we have scaled the business through the kind of manufacturing side as well. So we can actually make most of these things. And to your earlier point about global scale, we can do that. So things like the global rollout, PlayStation 5, the Intel tables, very you know great examples of where we can uh, bring great value to clients and deliver at a global scale. Outstanding. Sounds like a fun place to work as well. You get to make stuff yeah. and do cool things. So Simon, if you don't mind, I'd love to bring up a couple of student questions. We work with the University of Arkansas, of course, and uh, Molly Raper does a great job of having her students sometimes provide us some questions if they know we have a guest coming up and, and we get time to work that out. So a couple of students uh, had a few questions and I'd like to run them by you. Uh, Sydney Wilson, who is uh, uh, majoring in entrepreneurship and innovation, uh, she asked the question, uh, Simon, do you think as shoppers digitize uh, their in-store experience, or I think it means as retailers digitize the in-store experience, and uh, a result, would a result be they limit their shopping time in stores that gets more efficient? Uh, is there a potential of a store losing sales uh, because of that um, efficiency? I mean, that that's a fantastic question. Um, and there's lots of things that immediately jump to mind. I mean, I think um, there's a lot to be said is that for people when they've been on doing great grocery shopping online, that they buy less because they're more planned and you don't pick up other things. There's also, I think, some early research from Car4 in France that showed that when people did uh, the drive-through thing, so kind of click and collect, they went to some of the other stores in the shopping center instead and spent more money, which given that it was a location, I think that Car4 owned, it kind of worked. So it's an interesting question. If, if, we, uh, if we're gonna give shoppers the ability to control and manage as the way they do online then i would suggest the answer is yes but i think what actually happens particularly in grocery is that uh people are coming and searching for what's new so if you can still do new really well you can find exciting ways and it's about inspiration you should be fine i just look at what we've done with you know mark suspenders here in the uk with a kind of menu uh, finder at the front of the store is a menu finder to inspire you on your journey so it's not efficient necessarily. It's bringing you the opportunity to learn new things and to have a better dinner. I don't know. So things like that, think I think, are potentially more and more exciting. Saving time, the convenience. You know, at the end of the day, that is all stuff that we will value because we'll create more time. But I, if we get it right, it shouldn't reduce sales. Agree with that, Simon. That's awesome. Uh, how about an, a question from Rachel Pinter? Uh, she is a marketing major. Uh, in Molly's class, and she asked the question, what innovative steps should retailers consider during this transition of shoppers going back into physical stores? Will customer service be less important to consumers over time as the online and contactless shopping continue to trend? I, I think, um, and another another great question. I think the thing for me, and I, I kind of, you know, if you're a marketeer, there's been, you've had a lot of time as marketeers talking about experience and we had so many you know we sometimes like wow experience is going to be amazing 
I think that's rubbish, actually. I think we're now in this kind of expectation economy where every kind of click and every visit resets our expectations of what retail should be. And for me, you know, the, the, if you look at it, we've got massively shifting journeys. We've got ubiquitously in the buy now, but we've got all those things going on. So the one thing which I think is going to be massively important is going to be retail utility. And I think that every single retailer needs to really plot out exactly what that means in their in their unified commerce journey so if i'm a you know if i've got i need to have click and collect i need to be able to return stuff all those sort of organization issues that are behind there how do i do stock control optimizes this the solution because those are the things that are increasingly going to frustrate customers and for me you know we've already in the last conversation we talked about the time budget you know people have also got a, a financial budget there's a massive moment right now with the expectation economy, if you like, that the frustration budget's being turbocharged because you know how frustrated you are when something doesn't work as expected to be, right? And that's just going to get worse and worse and worse as new entrants, new people bring new ways of doing things and, and making things convenient and delivering value. And that for me is where it's at. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you look at what would move the needle in our customer promoter scores when we were at Asset. I was at Asset, that would be eliminating the dissatisfiers. And most of those dissatisfiers uh, had to do with the retail utility aspects yeah. and, and the corresponding technologies that could enable change there were really important um, because yeah. that would move the needle more than the surprise and delights that might get you more nines and tens yeah. uh, on, and, and on the top and, and some people want to come in and 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 have be guided around the store by a wonderful associate, right? Some people just huh. don't want to talk to anybody, right? Yeah. So, and you can see that. So, it's you know I think it's uh, and so it's a it's a it's a good question. I think uh, how that plays out in the future is going to be going to be really interesting. The big the big question that I ask everybody, I ask all our clients, uh, is and it, I guess it comes back to that. Uh, understanding what the met the future store staff will do is to say why are people coming in store when there's so much information online because that really is for me the start of the journey and you know as a business when you look at um what's available we you know we're giving unboxing videos to our creatives and saying they would watch this before they get to the store to buy a new phone so why are you telling them the same thing right and then you also, though, you look at somehow, it, I mean, that's the thing, I'm mean, kind of into the associate thing at the moment, and we've, uh, you know, there's a few gangs of people now. If you look at, uh, there's this, we probably because our fantastic Intel table was on it, but there was some great stuff where uh, we've got kind of TikTok videos from store associates at Memphis, which are trending. There's a, an amazing rap from Curry's in the UK, and you've probably seen some of the stuff that Foot Locker do as well. So the opportunity with sort of store staff, if you, you know, to actually, transform your social engagement as well and make them the stars is you know it's also an amazing opportunity so yeah, yeah and of... also, often they're your biggest advocates and you know they are absolute advocates because they know the what's best and great products and can be trusted in that space so yeah exactly yeah any question simon about the in-store environment where it's headed that i haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about to make sure our audience hears oh um i i think uh I think uh, I think you've asked me a lot of questions, Andy. Um, I I don't I think there's a, probably a a few areas about you know, that we 
probably just need to understand around how we use some of the old things now and like navigation and education and all those sort of things. I think those things probably stand true. Um, and I would just put it out there that I think, and you can hear it in the questions that your students are asking, uh, is that it feels like me to me that there's this golden moment of a new generation, if you like, of shopper insights that we haven't seen probably for 20 years because suddenly we've got people coming back into stores in a way that they always used to, but they're suddenly empowered with a mobile device. There's a whole lot of new technologies around and we're starting to learn about how how they work in those spaces and how people behave. And that for me makes it a really exciting space to be a bit like it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting times. And you look back 20 years ago when shopper marketing was just really kicking off. I mean, it seemed like every six months, eight months, there was a new tactic and the tactic before didn't work. And you were constantly exploring and experimenting yeah. and that, that can make it quite terrifying if you're trying to scale a business, but it could also make yeah, it that's- uh, as as you you and I both know, but it can also make it quite fun. So I, yeah, I agree with that. Exactly. Well, Simon, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You're staying sharp as ever in this space, and looks like you're having a lot of fun. I uh, and I hope that people really do check out Outform and what you're doing uh, in in store, especially if you want to see the future because the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed, right? And I think you've got a good portion of it sitting in stores yeah. in Europe that are um, you can really see where this technology is headed and get pretty excited if you're in the retail and CPG space. So thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if any of your students would like our kind of curated content, they can uh, jump on the website, sign up for the newsletter. We'll send you every week. It's what we think is the best in future retail from all over the world. Outstanding. I'll sign up for that as well. I didn't know that. Thank you for that. Very good. Excellent. Thank you, Simon. That's it for this episode of It's a Customer's World. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends, and I'd be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's a Customer's World podcast is a product of the University of Arkansas's Customer-Centric Leadership Initiative and a Walton College original production. 